Welcome into the Big Boy Sports Corner. I am Randall Davis along with Nick Winstead. Thanks for joining us in the corner today as we will discuss the New Year Six Bowls, MLB Free Agency, SEC Basketball. We're also going to have our weekly segments, the Power Five and Big Boys Corner Picks. Be remiss if we didn't start today off by mentioning the unfortunate news that we got Tuesday morning about Mike Leach. You know, Mike Leach yeah. was a he was a character in college football in a sport that's too often littered with coaches that are robotic, don't yeah. want to speak their mind. You know, he was he was a character. You know, he was a um, innovator, revolutionized offense. You know, in the last twenty five years. Um, a big influence on me in my coaching career. I, I played in the air raid, um, and so to to hear that news yesterday morning, obviously you, you hate to hear that. Praying for his wife, his kids, grandkids, and obviously Mississippi State football program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the football field, was a fantastic coach. You know, head coach twenty one years, uh, Texas Tech, Washington State, Mississippi State, and everywhere he went, he rebuilt and revitalized the program. I mean, he had Texas Tech in the top five with uh, Michael Crabtree and Graham Harrell at quarterback. Went to Pullman, Washington, and had Washington State in the top ten, knocking on the door of a college football playoff. And then goes to Mississippi State and winning seven, eight games a year. Uh, And those are places that are hard to win at. Uh, But even just outside of coaching football, Man, just reading stories and, and, and hearing interviews of, of sideline reporters and, and student staffers and other coaches that he was just a, he was a good guy, uh, very personable, uh, would talk to anybody. Uh, and it's, it's definitely it, it's sad to lose him as a football coach, great coach, but just a, a great man. Absolutely. Rest in peace to the Pirate. Well, let's go ahead and on a little bit higher note, jump in. We left off last time. We talked about our college bowl picks. Today we're going to get into our New Year Six Bowls. Um, you know, those are some bowl games that obviously the two semifinals in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in East Tennessee, big one with the Orange Bowl, right? Got Clemson versus UT. I was really uh, interested to see that that started out as a, a seven-point line in Clemson's, you know, um, favor and yeah. and just surprises me. I, you know, I know Tennessee was coming off their their common opponent being South Carolina, and, and obviously Clemson kept that a closer game. But we know that in football, it, it's a that was just one of those games that that kind of unraveled for Tennessee, right? And right. They right. turned around the next week and and beat up on Vanderbilt. And, but you know, you look at the series record; they've played uh, nineteen times. Tennessee has won 11, lost six, and they've tied twice. Last time they played, though, was 2004 in the Peach Bowl with Clemson getting a 27-14 win. Um, talk about some of some of the stats that we've got and, and kind of where you see this one going. You know, defensively, uh, Clemson is 24th in total defense, 17th in scoring defense. And that's, that's obviously, if you're in the top 25 in any kind of category, that's pretty good. Uh, on the flip side, Tennessee, 86th in total defense, 45th in scoring. Now, that 45th in scoring, 23 and a half points a game, that's a little skewed. If you take the two outliers, Alabama giving up 49, South Carolina giving up 63, you take those two out, they're giving up 17 points a game, which is a lot better. Uh, that would put them ahead of Clemson that gives up 20 points a game. Um, And, again, that's also a little skewed because Tennessee rush defense is 19th in the country. Uh, Their pass defense is 127th. Now, a lot of that deals with when Tennessee's up 28 to nothing in the second quarter. Teams have to air it out. Uh, When when Tennessee's winning three, four touchdowns in the second half, teams have to – put the ball in the air to try to come back. Um, Offensively, Tennessee's first in total offense, first in scoring offense, uh, 47.3 points a game and 538 yards a game. No one outside of Georgia, which 
Georgia shut down just about everybody. It's really slowed this Tennessee offense down. Well, and if you – you know, talking about the defense, obviously passing defense has been pretty terrible at times, but they've also went through a ton of injuries. Starting yeah, at the beginning absolutely. of the year, Warren Burrell yeah. gets hurt. Um, you know, Kamal Haddon missed a bunch of games. Turnage didn't play early, came in, played pretty well. Then he got hurt and missed a few games. The Nico Slaughter's missed games. Um, you had Tank McCullough, who who was out for a few games because mm-hmm. of suspension. So it's been a revolving door back there, and a lot of a lot of young guys playing. I think what it comes down to with their past defense is the games that they've played better. Kentucky going, uh, you know, against Will Levis, who is considered. Uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the draft for some reason, um, they got pressure on them. Right. Byron Young and, right. and Tyler Barron and, you know, inside they they Amari Thomas, they, mm-hmm. they put a lot of pressure on them, which helps your, your secondary. Right. And if they can have a good game from a pass rushing standpoint, I think that it'll be easier. And, and the, the other thing is you got Cade Klubnick that's going to be coming in for this game. Right. He he's looked really good at times, but he's also came in and thrown some picks. You know, threw yeah. a pick early um, in one of the games. He he right after he came in, and so he's young. He he's going to be prone to some mistakes. Can Tennessee capitalize on those? And on the offensive side of the ball, can they establish the run? You know, Clemson's rushing defense tenth in the country, hundred one point hundred and one point one yards per game. Well, Tennessee's got a two-headed monster back there, really three yeah, if you count three. Samson. And, right. you know, if they get something going, it's going to take the pressure off of Milton to make those big throws. Cedric Tillman's not going to play. Right. He, he's he's uh, foregoing the bowl game to get ready for the NFL draft. I can't say I blame him. He's he's a top 35-40 overall prospect. And, you know, but if Hyatt can have a good game and Keaton and get the ball to Princeton Fant, you know, Brew McCoy, um if Milton can be on, and we know what Milton's capable of when he's on, it, can he hit the big throws? Right. Can he hit the deep ball? It's going to be – I think it's a really interesting game. It's a game that I think Tennessee fans are excited about playing Clemson. You know, Clemson's been one of the top programs in the country over the last 10 years. And Absolutely. For Tennessee to even be in that conversation is a big deal. But I, I do think it comes down to – Really, the defensive side. Tennessee's going to score on offense. I don't. I don't have any doubt about that. They're they're two, and, and there's obviously Alex Golish is gone, but that's a pretty easy transition. Josh Heupel can call plays, I and mean, he's right. done it his whole career. So can they? Can they do enough on defense to slow down and make Klubnik make mistakes? You know, Clemson's rushing offense. They're 46 in the country. They're not a bad rushing team. Um, their passing offense hasn't been very good. Does no. that change with, with him in there? I, I certainly think we'll see. I don't think that Clemson's seven points better. I, no, I've, I've looked no. at some, some national picks, and a lot of people are picking Clemson. Um, for me, it, it's it's a little – it's it's always harder to take your orange-colored glasses off, right? Right. But I think it's going to be interesting to see can they come, can they come in and, and – set the tone offensively and do enough on defense. But I'm going to pick Tennessee. I think it's going to be a, you know, 38-31, to 38-35 to 35 type game. But I'm going to pick Tennessee in a close one. Yeah, you think – you look at Clemson's season. They're 11-2, and two, won the ACC. But do they really have a, quote-unquote, signature win? And you look at their schedule and they really don't. Uh, they went to South Bend and played Notre Dame and got stomped. Maybe their signature win is UNC in the in the ACC championship game. If you could you could say that UNC is a nine and four team, they're top twenty five team. But you look at Tennessee on the road, they go on the road to Pitt, and you know Pitt finishes eight and four. But at the time they're number seventeen, uh, and go on the road and get a win at Pitt. Then obviously the game against Alabama, Alabama's number three at the time, they're number five now. Uh, go and get a, a a big win at home against Alabama. Uh, then go to LSU and and absolutely run roughshod over the Tigers. Uh, so if you look at the the body of work, which that's a uh, a thing that has come up in the Heisman and in in, in the uh, college football playoff race, you look at the body of work. I think Tennessee's body of work and their 
strength of schedule and their schedule and who they've beaten, who they've played, is better than Clemson. Uh, the ACC is pretty weak. The SEC is best conference in the country. Um, so, obviously, taking the orange-colored glasses off, the Tennessee-colored orange glasses off, I think Tennessee offensively is a better team than Clemson. I think Milton can can make the throws. Obviously, Tennessee is 20th in rushing offense. They can run the ball, ran all over Vanderbilt and other teams. I'll take the balls. We're moving down to the Sugar Bowl. You know, that's where a lot of Tennessee fans thought that they deserved to be. You know, Alabama jumped them in the last couple polls. And so you got Kansas State versus Alabama. Bama is a four-point favorite going into this one. You know, if you look at the stats, man, Bama holds the edge in almost every category. Total defense, scoring defense. They're 15th in total defense, 12th in scoring defense, 13th in total offense, 3rd in scoring offense. The only advantage Kansas State really has, their rushing offense is 18th in the country, you right. know, and, and Alabama's is 30th. But their their rushing defense is 61st, passing offense 77th, passing defense 54th. Kansas State played a great game against TCU. Right. Got a win, and, you know, TCU was able to still stay into the playoffs there. But I think a little bit of its recency bias, and I just can't see Nick Saban with a, a month to prepare for that Kansas State team with Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs not coming in and getting the win. Um, I think that they're going to be a little bit too much offensively. I don't think that Kansas State can keep up with them offensively. And uh, I've, I've got Bama, and I think they're going to cover the four in this one. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Bama went 10-2 and two this year, which most college football programs would love a double-digit win regular season. Uh, but that's only the fourth time since Saban's been there in 2007 that they've lost two more games in the regular season. So that hardly ever happens down in Tuscaloosa. Uh, but still, Alabama's much more athletic. You've got Bryce Young. You've got Jameer Gibbs, Jermaine Burton. on Defensively, Will Anderson. You've got guys that can cover. You've got guys that can rush. You've got guys that can stop the run. Kansas State has had a good season. You know, Big 12 champs. Uh, Chris Kleiman's done a good job in Manhattan uh, coming from North Dakota State. Uh, but I just – if it turns into a track meet, I don't think Kansas State has the horses to keep up with Alabama – I think Alabama covers, uh, and Alabama wins the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, I think there's a recurring theme when you look at these bowl games. You know, moving down to the Cotton Bowl with the, the Trojans of USC versus Tulane, you know, you look at the stats, and USC's unbelievable on offense, fourth total offense, fourth in scoring offense. Um, you know, their rushing offense, not as good, 48th, but their passing right there is fifth in the country. They're very bad on defense. You know, bad, bad. 106th in passing defense. Um, rushing defense is 57th. Um, and they're 2-2 two and two in top 25 games. And then on the flip side, you look at Tulane, they're 2-1 and one in top 25 games. You know, and that's Cincinnati and UCF. That's the three games. And, and obviously beat UCF in the, um, the, the championship week. You know, beat them there. I think the biggest difference here is – who they play throughout the year. Right. Tulane's obviously not playing as tough of a schedule as USC is. And, you know, in games like this, it always comes down to big players make, you know, and make big plays in big games. And, you know, you got the Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams, and I think that their offense is just going to be way too much for Tulane. You know, their they're passing defense is 25th in the country, but, again, it's the, the clientele that they're playing. And who are they playing? Right. You know, and, and so I, I certainly think that, if it gets into a shootout here, there's no chance Tulane can keep up with them. No. Now, do I think that Tulane's going to score seven? No. I think they're going to score on USC. I don't think USC is very good defensively. But I think that USC comes in here, you know, in the Cotton Bowl and, and gets a win. USC is only a two-point favorite. Yeah. I would I would also take the points there. Absolutely. I think that, you know, that could be a, a seven to ten to 14-point game pretty easily for USC. So, give me the Trojans against Tulane. Yeah, Tulane uh, coming out of the American Athletic had a good year. You know, eleven and two, 
lost to Southern Miss, which is a bit of a, you know, a 6-16. Six and 16. That's a bit of a head-scratcher. Lost to UCF the first time they played them, beat them in the championship. Their big win on the year at the time wasn't a ranked team. Uh, beat Kansas State 17-10 to 10 early in the year. Obviously, now Kansas State's a top-10 team at number nine. So that win looks pretty good. But, again, Tulane's not played a USC-type team. Uh, Tulane's not played the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Right, and, I mean, USC's playing – they've played Utah twice. They're playing Oregon. They're playing UCLA. They're playing Notre Dame. I mean, they're right. they're playing teams that have been ranked in the top 25 all year. So I think that it's in these big games, and we've seen it over the years, you know, you get these these – group of five top schools that, that get into these New Year's Six top bowls, and sometimes they pull them out. You know, back in, in the mid-2000s, Boise State beats in right. Oklahoma. You know, UCF goes undefeated a few years back with, with um, Scott Frost as head coach. And so those teams are certainly capable of winning those games. But I just think if you look at the body of work, right. it's hard to look at it and say that Tulane's going to beat USC. I, I think that, again, there's just too much firepower with mm-hmm. with – um, Caleb Williams thrown to Jordan Addison. I mean, I think that could be a, a big game for both of them. Absolutely. Yeah, USC being a just a two-point favorite, again, is a bit of a, a head-scratcher to me. Um, do I think should be like a 14-point favorite? Maybe not. But two points, if you're a betting man or a betting lady, run to the window. Absolutely. Put money on the Trojans. Yeah, and then you go down to the Rose Bowl, and I think this might be the best game of, of all of them. You know, I, I think the Orange Bowl certainly is going to be a good game, but the Rose Bowl with uh, Utah and, and Penn State, you got two top 20 defenses going against each other. Um, but the thing that I think people don't realize about Utah, they're also a top 20 offense. You yeah. know, they're, what, 17th in the country in total offense, scoring offense, they're top 10. Yeah, scoring 40 points a game. So – you know, and Penn State's 10th in the country in scoring defense. So it's it's really going to be a battle of, you know, when you look at the stats that we've kind of looked at, they're, they're pretty even uh, down the board of, you know, Penn State's a little better defensively, Utah's a little better offensively. But I think this is, you know, you look at the line and Penn State's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I, I, I think that in this game – with what Utah's shown they can do in big games against USC and, and what they're capable of on offense. I mean, they put 47 up in the Pac-12 championship game against USC. Now, USC's not going to win any awards for best defense. We just talked about that. Right. But um, in this one, I'm taking the Utes. I think I would I would take them, especially with the minus two and a half. I think it'll be a close game. Um, but in this one, I'm going to take Utah in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you look at Penn State. You know, what do they do good offensively? They're 51st in the nation passing offense and 49th. Uh, sorry, they're four, sorry, 43rd in the nation in passing and rushing offense. So they don't really do either one super well uh, offensively. Um, they've got a back that's close to 1,000 yards, got another back that's close to 900, so they can run the ball. Their quarterback, uh, Sean Clifford, 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, seven interceptions, not bad numbers. But you look in games that Penn State has played against top 25 teams, and they've played two, Ohio State and Michigan, and they're 0-2 in those games. Uh, Michigan beat them down, uh, beat them 41-17, I believe, uh, Ohio State beat them by two touchdowns. Now, Penn State was winning that game for most of the game, and Ohio State kind of poured it on late in the fourth quarter. But Utah has been battle-tested. They beat USC twice. Um, They've won the Pac-12 championship. They can score a ton of points, and they play pretty good defense. So I'll, I'll take Utah in the Rose Bowl as well. Moving down to our last two, we've got our semifinal games. We'll start with the Peach Bowl, Georgia Bulldogs versus Ohio State Buckeyes. Georgia's coming into this one as a minus six-and-a-half-point favorite. 
you know, this game's the Stetson Bennett versus C.J. Stroud game. You know, two Heisman finalists, um, two teams. You know, Georgia coming off of last year's national championship, went undefeated Ohio State, one loss to Michigan. You know, I think this is an interesting game. You know, now Ohio State's going to be missing Smith and Jigba. You know, he he's not playing, um, but they still have Marvin Harrison. They're going to score offensively that, you know, somewhat. Now, Georgia's pretty good on defense. You know, number two scoring defense in the country, 12.7, held Tennessee to 13. Um, total defense, eighth in the country at 292 yards a game. But then you look at Ohio State's offense, they're sixth in the country, 492.7 yards a game and averaging 44.5 points a game. That's second in the country. So they can throw the football. You know, C.J. Stroud is going to try to hit Marvin Harrison a bunch in this game. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see can Ohio State get something going. I think that they are dangerous enough on offense to give Georgia a game. What Georgia team comes out? Does right. the Georgia team that played against Missouri come out? Because if they get down to Ohio State, they can't come back. Right. They don't – they're not good enough offensively in a shootout if they get down by a couple scores. But if they come out playing the defense they did against Tennessee, where they're putting pressure on the quarterback, their their secondary is locking guys down. You know, I, I see I see it being a, a good game for Georgia. Stetson Bennett's going to hit Brock Bowers. He's going to hand the ball off to those that that you know bevy of running backs that they have. And I think that an interesting game. But I, I'll take Georgia. Um, I think Georgia's. I just think they're a little bit better. I think that you know. They've got things rolling down there in Athens right now, and, and I think in the Peach Bowl, Georgia comes out on top to get to the national championship. Yeah, this is, of the two semifinal games, this seems to be the most evenly matched. Even though it's a 1-4, um, the other Michigan and TCU being a 2-3, this one seems to be the more evenly matched. Uh, you talk about Ohio State on defense, 12th in total defense, 13th in scoring defense. That's, that's pretty good. Um, Really good offensively. They seem more explosive offensively than Georgia does. Uh, you've got big play receivers and C.J. Stroud, a big play quarterback, where Georgia is sneaky seventh in the country in total offense, 11th in scoring offense. You don't really think of Georgia as being a big play Offense. You don't think of Stetson Bennett being a big play quarterback, but obviously they've made big plays. They've scored a ton of points. The one area that is a big discrepancy between the two would be Georgia's passing defense. They're 52nd in the country, um, whereas Ohio State is 14th in passing offense. If Ohio State has an edge, it would be that. Uh, can they – take advantage of a Georgia secondary that's a little younger than they were last year. Georgia lost a ton of guys on defense. Those guys are going to play 10 years in the NFL. Um, if they can take advantage of that, if they can hit big plays to Marvin Harrison, Akumbe, and C.J. Stroud can prevent turnovers, which he's, he's had six interceptions on the year. He's, he's turned the ball over a little bit. If they can do that, they can they can stay in this hunt. But I still I have the dogs going back to the national championship game. And then the Fiesta Bowl, you've got Michigan Wolverines versus TCU Horn Frogs. Michigan minus seven and a half in this game. You know I think the big story with Michigan is Blake Corum. You know had surgery, doesn't look like he's playing in this game. Um, you know they've just been Michigan has been the, the team all year that they get in situations where you think, well, this is the week that they're going to slip up and, you know, had a couple tight games, won a game late with a field goal. Um, yeah, against Illinois. Against Illinois, you know. But I just – against TCU, and, and look, TCU's story is great. Really good season. Lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 Championship. But, you know, Max Dugan, really good story. Had open heart surgery. Eight hours he was in surgery. And – Fought his way back, won the starting job, and, and became a Heisman finalist, finished second in the voting. Yeah. But I think Michigan with Cade McNamara and what they 
they have on defense seemingly every year, I, I think they're going to be too tough for TCU to get a win in this one. You know, looking at the stats, Michigan's third overall in total defense, fifth in scoring defense, um, and 22nd in passing defense, which is, you know, looking at what TCU wants to do, TCU wants to – they want to throw the ball. They're 25th in the country in throwing the football. So what TCU is good at is what Michigan's really been the best at stopping. Right. And so I think that you're going to get a, a – a win by Michigan and a rematch of what was the semifinal last year between Georgia and Michigan. But I think you're going to see Michigan get the win here and go to the national championship against the Dogs. Yeah, you look at Michigan offensively. Um, they seem better this year with McCarthy at quarterback uh, throwing the ball downfield. Um, but they still, they want to run the football. They're sixth in the nation in rushing defense or rushing offense. Uh, third in the nation in rushing defense. So, yeah, Blake Coram's out. Uh, he's been out. But the past two games, Donovan Edwards has had 401 yards and three touchdowns. So, Blake Coram is a is an elite running back, big play running back. But Donovan Edwards is pretty good too. Um, and Michigan is elite on defense. TCU's not very good defensively. They're 74th in total defense and 58th in scoring defense. So I think Michigan is back in the playoffs two years in a row, beat Ohio State two years in a row. I think they take that next step this year and get to the national championship game. Yeah, and excuse me, I meant J.J. McCarthy, not Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara obviously transferring to Iowa. Um, was a starter for him last year, got beat out by McCarthy this year, but – yeah, I certainly think Michigan Michigan makes it to the national championship game against Georgia. And we'll talk a little bit in a later episode about that national championship game. Maybe after these um, semifinals are done, we'll, we'll have a little bit more of an in-depth look at what that game's going to look like. And So that's it for our New Year's Six Bowls. And what we're going to move into now is MLB free agency. Now, here's what we can say about MLB free agency. Dollar-dollar bills, y'all. It's money everywhere. I mean, it's it's unbelievable what's being thrown out there. And, and, you know, you look at some of the big names. You know, early on, Jacob deGrom, he signs a five-year deal worth $185 million. That was kind of the first one to go to the Rangers. As a Braves fan, I'm I'm here for it. You know, I'm, I don't want to have to see Jacob deGrom <laughs> right. a, a million times a year. But on the uh, flip side of that, uh, deGrom leaves and Justin Verlander. Comes in. Justin Verlander, two years, $86 million. Still doing what he does at his age is unbelievable. He's, yeah, he's been really, really good. 18-4 last year, 39 he, years old. You know, ERA was in the twos, I think. You know, I mean, he, he was he was really good. So, you lose DeGrom, who a little bit younger, but, man, DeGrom's been injury-plagued, and, and you bring Verlander in. And then you look at Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, nine years, $360 million, $40 million a year, going back to the Yankees. I always thought he'd end up back with the Yankees um, after the year he had last year, breaking the AL home run record. Um, I think that he – will he play at that clip for nine years? Probably not. Right. But I don't think it's the Pujol situation where – He's going to play well for a couple years. He's he's too athletic. Yeah. He's a really good outfielder, and he hits the ball. I and mean, he's 30 years old, so he'll play through his 39 year. He'll be 39 years old at the end of this contract. So I certainly think that it's a it's a you know 40 million dollars. If you can get it, get it right. Right. And and good for him. Trey Turner. Trey Turner signs an 11 year. $300 million contract with the Phillies and makes the Phillies better. You know, a yeah. team coming off of a World Series appearance, you know, they have Bryce Harper, they have Kyle Schwarber, they have, you know, Aaron Nola in, in their pitching rotation. And now you add Trey Turner, arguably uh, a top one or two, maybe top three shortstop in the yeah. in major leagues. And what he does on the base pass, what he does with the bat in his hand and how good he is defensively, definitely a uh, – a good signing for the Phillies, and that's another one I do not like as a Braves fan. Yeah, guy's a career three hundred two hitter. Uh, hit two ninety eight last year, twenty one home runs. So obviously at the plate he can get it done. You look at his fielding percentage; it's 
972 for a career. Um, guy just doesn't miss balls, doesn't make errors. And the Phillies are pushing all their chips in. I mean, they're all in. They're giving an 11-year, $300 million contract to a guy. So yeah, they're, they're, they're certainly paying that luxury tax. I mean, they, they've got some big contracts on that team. Obviously, Bryce Harper and, and Trey Turner, uh, I, I think that they know that this is their time to capitalize. Right. And they've went kind of the opposite route of what the Braves have done. The Braves have gotten lucky to sign Ronald Acuna and Ozzie Albies and, and Mike Harris and these guys to these team-friendly contracts because mm-hmm. they signed them at such a young age. You know, they paid Austin Riley a, a pretty pretty good contract and uh, brought Matt Olson in when Freddie left. and, and um, But certainly going to be a, an interesting year in the NL East. Xander Bogarts, another shortstop, signed an 11-year deal with the San Diego Padres, $280 million. Again, it's just these numbers we keep throwing out there. It's just unbelievable. But I think he makes the Padres better. You know, they're a team that traded for Juan Soto at the end of last year. Um, Another team in the NL that's going to, you know, they're going to make the Dodgers earn everything they they do. Um, You know, with Manny Machado at third, now, now you've got a you, you've got a pretty good left side of the infield there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, looking at a couple of the other ones, Wilson Contreras, he sign he, he signs leaves the Cubs, goes to the Cardinals on a five year deal deal for eighty seven million. Um Wilson Contreras has been a really good catcher for the Cubs. Yeah. Um and I think that's a good signing for the Cardinals after losing uh Yadier Molina, you know, to retirement. And then the big question really in the MLB free agency becomes this. What happens with some of these other guys? The big one, you know, if you're listening to this in East Tennessee, Georgia, that area is what does Dansby do? Mm-hmm. Man, I'll be honest, I just think the Braves are going to find a way to screw this up. Yeah, They, you know, the situation last year with Freddie was unfortunate, but I think that, you know, looking at some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, there was some agent issues there that Freddie ended up firing his agent. And, and I think certainly that Freddie wanted to stay with the Braves but couldn't pass up the deal he got with the Dodgers. Well, here's the, the bad part about that. Dansby's got the same agent. And so far, there hasn't been a lot of contact from, from what I've been able to gather between the Braves and Dansby. What do the Braves look like without Dansby? They can put Vaughn Grissom at shortstop. Is he ready to be the everyday guy? Dansby had his uh, best year of his career this year, so you're going to lose that. You know, they, they traded for Sean Murphy the other day, one of the best catchers in baseball. They're they're set everywhere else. They're going to have to extend Max Freed, but I think if you're a Braves fan, you want them to find a way to make this work with Dansby. I think they need to figure it out. If they can afford it and Dansby's willing to, to find a way to make it work, I mean, he's a Marietta boy. He, he, he grew up just down the road from Truist Park. Um, I hate to see him leave, but, you know, it's baseball these days. You don't see guys play in one uniform for their whole career. Right. And if Freddie Freeman's not going to end his career as a Brave, then why is Dansby? You know, Freddie Freeman has been the – he's been been the Atlanta Braves since he got there. You know, Chipper retires and Freddie's the face of that franchise, and it comes time for him, and and he he dips and goes back to Southern California. So – you know, the other one that's out there is Carlos Rodon. He, he's been talked about maybe going to the Giants. Um, would be a really good pickup for their rotation. Um, interesting to see where the rest of that goes, and we'll kind of keep you updated as some of these guys sign, and we'll we'll obviously talk about whatever happens with Dansby when it, when it happens because I'm a big Braves fan and hate to see hate to see him leave, but, I, you know, you understand how, how the – Financial things work sometimes with them. And the other is how does, you know, have the Reds spent any money? Uh, The Reds have not spent any money on anybody since they signed Joey Votto. (laughs) So he brings that up because I'm a Reds fan. So um, just to touch back really quick on what you're talking about with free agency. Um, If you want to succeed in the MLB in today's game, you've got to spend – money and lots of it um you think about 
what the A's did in the early 2000s with Moneyball. Teams don't do that anymore. And even the A's never never won a World Series with that. They were pretty successful. But if you want to win pennants, you want to win your division, you've got to spend money. Um, the days of, like you said, guys playing their entire career for a team. Yadier Molina is the anomaly, spending his entire career in St. Louis. But the days of, of guys doing that seem to be about done. Maybe Aaron Judge with his new deal could spend the rest of his career in the Bronx. But, you know, you think about teams back in the day, you talk about the Reds. They had, gosh, the same lineup for years. Uh, but you don't you don't really have that anymore because – and free agency is a, is a double-edged sword. Um, obviously, you can pick up guys, but you can lose guys. And, and guys are going to go – Obviously, where they're comfortable, where they feel they can make the most impact, but also where they can make the most money. So it's it's very interesting to see guys moving around and these insane numbers. And 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 like Randall said, we'll we'll keep you up to date on that, especially with Dansby Swanson us being in Braves slash Reds country. So that's our MLB free agency segment again. We'll we'll keep it updated there, um, and and as the season gets a little bit closer, we'll we'll dive into some of that stuff. And so uh, now we're going to get into our segment about SEC basketball. Um, SEC basketball getting ready to head into SEC play. Um, you know, got right now as, as we speak, six SEC teams ranked in the top twenty-five. Um, you know, some really good records, but obviously that's been out-of-conference play. Right. So what have you seen so far in SEC play? What do you see happening as we kind of move into SEC play? You know, for one, having six of your 14 teams in the top 25 and three of those, Alabama's number four, Tennessee number six, Arkansas number 10. So having three of your teams in the top 10 is pretty impressive for what historically has always been seen as a football conference. Um, you know, you always think of, of the SEC, you think of SEC football. But now you've got teams on the hardwood that can play play. Um, you've always had Kentucky. Historically, Kentucky's always been good in basketball. But now you've got other teams that have kind of risen up. Alabama in the past few years has, has risen to a, a tournament team, a top 25 team. Um, like you said, all these teams have, have yet to play SEC games. Um, Alabama squeaked one out last night against Memphis, 91 to 88. But they also have big wins: Michigan State, UNC, Houston, pretty recently. Um, Tennessee has big wins against Kansas, who won the national championship last year. Uh, against Maryland, which was a top, you know, a top 15 team on Sunday, uh, beat them. Um, but a lot of these teams, Kentucky. Doesn't really have a signature win. Got a couple of losses to Michigan State and Gonzaga, which those are those are good teams. Obviously, Gonzaga is a perennial top five, you know, elite eight, final four team, um, but no real signature wins. Mississippi State's nine and zero, but they've not really played yeah. anybody. Been a weak schedule for Mississippi State. I was it was interesting to me looking at that nine and zero yesterday and looking at some of their their teams and stats and. Um, if you if you look at the the defensive points per game, Mississippi State's first in the SEC right now at forty nine point eight points per game for the opponent. Uh, Tennessee second at fifty one point four. I think that's a little bit better fifty one point point four, considering that they've played Kansas and they've played Maryland and you know Tennessee's one lone loss is to Colorado, which wasn't a great loss right. for them. But when you start looking at some of the stats. Tennessee has went nine and one, and they are one of the lowest ranked three point percentage teams in the SEC, shooting thirty two point five percent from three and forty point one percent from the field. Right now, that is um, that forty point one is the lowest field goal percentage in the SEC of all the SEC teams, and they're nine and one, and they've beaten Kansas and they've beaten Maryland. Right. Well, what does that come back to? Their differential. And what they score offensively and what they hold opponents to is 22.6 points a game. That's first in the SEC. Second is Mississippi State. And third is Kentucky. Kentucky's at 16.5 point differential. So I certainly think that, you know, you look at the Maryland game, they held them to 17 in the first half. Yeah. And, and now Maryland charged back a little bit and 
made it a close game. But if Tennessee can play that way defensively the rest of this year and find something offensively, and I certainly think that they've got guys who can score. You know, Josiah Jordan-James has been out a bunch this year, knee problems. If that thing can get healthy, if his knee can get healthy, I think that he's going to bring a, a better shooting percentage, a better scoring threat. Vescovi, Vescovi, I can't ever, I, you know. Those <laughs> well, for names. years, we talked about this the other day. For for years here in the Knoxville market, it's been Vescovi. Yeah. And then he comes up and says, actually, it's Vescovi. Same thing with Garantano. Yeah. For years, it was Garantano. Um, so, but, yeah, Vescovi's been, been injured as well. Um, if you get those guys healthy, Jonas, they do. You know, if you get those guys healthy and playing well, those – Points per game uh, are going to go up. They're still scoring seventy-four points a game, uh, and so. they're, and they're, and Julian Phillips has been a bright spot as a freshman. But I, I certainly think you get those guys in the rotation and healthy. Your your points per game will go up some, but it's your field goal percentage. Right. If your defense stays at the, a similar clip to what it's at now, and you go from shooting forty percent to forty-five percent, well, that's going to translate to more points per game and and you're going to that differential is going to go up um yeah i think heading into sec play it's going to be an interesting you know interesting season nate oates has got alabama you know yeah. rolling they're they're doing a good job arkansas um they're nine and one auburn eight and one kentucky seven and two um you know the worst record in the conference right now is vandy at five and five and vandy right. now they they've lost they lost a grambling you know, I think Stackhouse is maybe bitten off a little more than he can chew there. But I, I think it's going to be an interesting SEC basketball season. And just having three teams in the top ten and six in the top 25 is a, you know, for what you said has always been a football conference it is a, a testament to the coaches that have came into the league and the the upward trend of what SEC basketball is and, We'll we'll talk a little bit more in our Power Five segment about where we think our top five teams are right now, um, but just looking at those those stats, I think that it it's going to be it's going to be a fun season and and interesting to see where you know us as Tennessee fans where they go, but also where the SEC you know conference ends up in the pecking order when we get to the tournament, and um, you know. When they start playing each other, do they start cannibalizing each other a little right. bit? You know, so so speaking of the Power Five, we're going to move into the Power Five segment. This is our segment where we we look at top five rankings of the week. You know, last week we talked about the top five NFL teams in in the league. Um, we'll we'll kind of switch this up every week and, and and do something different. This week we're going to do our top five current SEC basketball teams as we move into SEC basketball play. Nick, you go ahead and start with yours. All right. So my top five, we'll go five to one. Uh, number five, I've got Kentucky. Uh, like I said, seven and two, ranked 12th in the nation. Obviously, Calipari, phenomenal coach. He's won everywhere he's been. Uh, you might not always, in Tennessee country, might not always be the biggest fan of him, but um, he and Rick Barnes seem to have a good relationship, and Rick Barnes has beaten him pretty consistently recently. But I've got Kentucky at number five, uh, Auburn at number four, uh, Bruce Pearl, another Tennessee connection, is very successful here. Uh, Arkansas at number three. I've got Alabama at number two, and obviously you could probably guess which team I've got at number one. But really, I'm, and I'm taking – the, the orange-colored glasses, my Tennessee fandom, really out of it. Um, Alabama, number four with, with three big wins, but defensively giving up 68 points a game. And that, that number is going to go up because we, we compiled these numbers yesterday. That number is going to go up because they got 88 up to Memphis. So defensively, they're, they're not uh, very good. They're not at the top of the SEC. Uh, but obviously they're still a really good team. And number one, I've got Tennessee. Uh, going forward, like we talked about, you get those guys back healthy, you get uh, Triple J, Josiah Jordan-James healthy, you get Bescovy healthy, Jonas Sadu, Ziegler coming off the bench, Julian Phillips coming off the bench. Um, if they can get an inside presence with, with, with Plovich, um, 
I think they can score more offensively. But man, defensively, they're just they're they're locked down. They've got a big game coming up this week against Arizona, which in our last podcast, Arizona's number four. They they slipped down a little bit. I believe they're number nine now, but still a top ten team. Uh, but I've got Tennessee as the best team in the SEC right now. Yeah, we've got similar teams. That, uh, the, the one difference that I'll have is I'm going to start out number five with Auburn. I think, you know, looking at they're, – they're not scoring a ton of points. Their differential, um, 12.3, which is seventh in the SEC. But Bruce Pearl, really good basketball coach, and they always seem to get rolling in SEC play. Uh, number four, I've got Kentucky. Um, again – it's the history of what they are. You know that they've got players, um, really, really good basketball players on their team. John Calipari, although he tends to find a way to lose in the tournament, as much you know, as much uh, talent as he's had at Kentucky, he's he's only won one championship with Anthony Davis. But I've got Kentucky number four, number three. I've got Mississippi State, and that's the that's the one biggest difference between you and. and Here's why. 9-0, and, and again, yeah. we talked, hadn't played a ton of teams, really good teams. But I, I want to look at their differential is second in the league, 20.2 points uh, differential, 49.8 defensive points per game. Now you can say, well, that's that's the opponents they're playing, and that certainly is true. But the second thing I want to look at is um, just Mississippi State – is a is kind of a hot and cold team and sometimes they come into SEC play and, and if they've been hot they, they reel off some wins and, um, I, I think they they right now I'm gonna give them number three uh, number two Alabama uh, you know I went back and forth on this one Alabama really really good offensive team 82 points a game um, not as good defensively obviously they're giving up 17 more points a game than Tennessee is. But they've got those three big wins, and if you count Memphis last night, it's four. You know that they've proven that they can win games. Um, and, and Tennessee's number one. I think their defense is suffocating. I think that you get uh, Vescovy healthy, Josiah Jordan James, um, Ziegler coming off the bench. I think it's a big deal. Yeah. You know, and having Tyreek Key out there as a grad transfer to run the point when when Ziegler's not out there. And, you know, Plovsic is my biggest issue right now in the, in the starting five. I just I feel like, and he's seven foot one, and he's dunked basketball every once in a while, bro. He, right. he misses a lot of gimmies because he, he doesn't just go up with authority. But if Jonas Adu can get in there and start taking a few of those minutes, he's just so athletic and such a good defensive presence. Julian Phillips is going to continue to come on, and Jemai Meshack yeah. is an unbelievable athlete. He's been really good defensively, and he scored some for him. Um, I think that going into SEC play, SEC play uh, Tennessee is your number one team in the SEC uh, in regards to basketball. So that's our Power Five segment for the week. Continue to look for that every week. We'll switch that up and and uh, have different lists on a, on a weekly basis. Now we're going to move into our big boys corner picks for the week. Last week, Nick, you got me again. First week, you went six and three. I went five and four. Last week, six and two for you, five and three for me. If you look at it, we both missed the Raiders. Baker Mayfield came in on Thursday night, right. pulled out a win for them. The Tennessee Titans, <laughs> the, the Tennessee Titans, man. I, I just, I, I don't. It's hard for me to fathom what they have become on offense. You know, you look at the first half against, and and look, the offense wasn't the problem. They give up thirty-seven points to the Jaguars, right? But Derrick Henry had 116 yards in the first half, and I looked almost at the end of the third quarter, and he had 120. Yeah. And yeah. he had barely three or four more touches, you know, and, and that's what his game is. He had a 50-yarder, and that's obviously a big part of it, but that's what he does. You keep feeding him, and he wears defensive downs, and he's got defenses down, and he has the athletic ability to, to break those. But – they're just, you know, missing Traylon Burks last week hurt. Robert Woods still just has not looked like Robert Woods of the past prior to the ACL injury. But And then the the game that was the difference was Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and it was a close one. Yeah, a Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh tried to, to, to take that one in there and get the win, but Baltimore pulled it out. So you got the win on that one. So this week we are picking nine games. Um, 
we're going to start off 49ers and Seahawks. Who you got? Uh, I've got the 49ers. Uh, Brock Purdy came in. What a story. First Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft, throw a touchdown pass. Uh, first quarterback in his first start to beat Tom Brady. Now, granted, the Buccaneers are terrible. They're still going to win a division because the division's terrible. But uh, just what the 49ers can do offensively with McCaffrey, uh, Debo Samuel did get hurt in that game, so I don't quite know his status for this week. Um, and the Seahawks have been a, a bit of a surprise team, although they had a, a bad loss to the Panthers this past week. Um, I still see the 49ers continuing to win. Yeah, I've got the 49ers as well, and it really just comes down to their defense. They're playing so good defensively. Um, you know, Bosa has been unbelievable. And they've they've experienced injuries, especially yeah. in the back end, but they keep keep putting them out there. Brock Purdy, Purdy, hopefully he's healthy going into this game. I don't think Samuel's playing, which hurts them, but they've yeah. got Ayuk, they've got McCaffrey, they've got Kittle. Hopefully our boy J.J. can get out there and catch a few more balls. Um, and um, I got the 49ers. Moving down to Colts, Vikings. I got the Vikings. Colts, weird story. You know, I, I wasn't as opposed to the Jeff Saturday hire as some people were because Jeff Saturday knows the Colts. He right. knows the, the what it's like being an NFL player, what setting the tone in the locker room can be. Um, but you still got to be able to coach a little football, and I think he's learning on the fly that that's a little tougher than yeah. um, the Vikings have – you know, we talked about them as an honorable pick mentioned last week in our Power Five segment, and then they go and um, – who did they play last week? They, they lost to the Lions. The Lions by yeah. 11. Right. You know, so – but the Lions are playing better. But but I'm still in this game. I'm going to pick the Vikings over the Colts. Yeah, I've got the Vikings as well. Um, man, they're such a weird 10-3. and three. Blown out by the Cowboys. Um, got beat by the Lions this past week, 34-23. But you look at the stat line, Kirk Cousins threw 425 yards, no picks, um, and they lose by 11. Uh, and obviously the Lions have been playing really well. We'll talk about them in just a second. But, yeah, the Colts are just – they're they've got Jonathan Taylor. But outside of that, I mean, Matt Ryan – and, and I like Matt Ryan. Seems like a great guy. He's had a good NFL career, but should probably call it quits after this year. Um, yeah, Indianapolis going up to Minnesota. Yeah, I've got the Vikings in this one. Got the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. A little bit of a rivalry game here uh, in the AFC North. Um, I'm taking the Browns. I, I think the Browns – I think this is the week that Deshaun Watson, you know, in game three is going to show what Deshaun Watson is. Obviously, he missed all last season, missed 11 weeks this year. The question with the Ravens is, is Lamar Jackson healthy? Is he going to play? I haven't seen if that's been confirmed or not yet. Huntley got hurt last week against Steelers, and, and they still were able to pull it out. But I just I think this week Deshaun gets it rolling, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper. I think they do enough to get the wins against Baltimore. Yeah, this is, this is our first game where we differ, and honestly – went back and forth. The Browns are pretty good defensively. Uh, forced turnovers in, in Watson's first game back. You know, they won in Watson's first game back. It wasn't really because of Deshaun Watson. Um, a lot of question marks for the Ravens. Again, that's a 9-4 and four team that seems really weird that they're 9-4. and four. Um, But I've got the Ravens in this one. Obviously, I think Deshaun Watson's a fantastic athlete. Good quarterback, threw for a million yards in Houston. But, I mean, it's tough to come, not necessarily off the street, but come, you know, he didn't play for 700 days and, and a year and almost two years, a year and three quarters. Um, so I've got the Ravens in this one again. It's kind of like where we picked Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and I picked the Ravens. It worked out for me that time. It might not this time. Moving down to Miami versus Buffalo, um, I'm going to pick the Bills. I, I think the Dolphins have been a good story this year. Tua struggled against the Chargers on Sunday night football. Um, I think that the Bills are playing pretty well right now, and Josh Allen's going to be the difference maker. Give me Buffalo over Dolphins. Yeah, I've Dolphins. got Buffalo as well. 
like you said, two has kind of struggled. The Dolphins have dropped a couple in a row. Playing in Buffalo, where I believe it's supposed to be lake effect snow again, that's a lot different than playing in Miami, where it's 80 degrees in December. So give me Buffalo. Detroit versus the Jets. We've got the Lions and the Jets. Lions coming off a big win over the Vikings. I'm going to take the Lions. I think that they're playing well. Dan Campbell's got them playing a tough, gritty style of football. Jared Goff playing pretty well right now. Um, I'll take the Lions over the Jets. Yeah, I've got the Lions as well. Um, Jared Goff looks like the Jared Goff that went to the Super Bowl with the Rams. Um, playing really well. Playing good defensively. They're on a roll. This is a team that I could – Looking at their schedule going forward, I could honestly see winning out and making a wild card, which for Detroit to be 10-7 and seven and making a wild card after the past few years would be a, a miracle. But Dan Campbell's done a good job. So I, I, can, uh, I see Detroit continuing their winning ways this week. Tennessee versus the Chargers. I'm not even going to talk much about it. I'm going to pick the Titans. I, I, I've been burned by them twice. Probably going to be burned by them again. But I keep joking I'm going to find a new NFL team, but I obviously wouldn't do that. I've been a Titans fan since they moved here. The Titans sometimes find a way in these big games when they need to to buckle down and play. Can they get a couple people back from injury? Can David Long play? Can can Bud Dupree play? Can Burks be healthy? If that happens, I think they do enough to beat the Chargers. On the flip side of that, you talk about the Titans often find – ways in big games to compete and win. The Chargers find ways to lose. Uh, to quote a Abraham Lincoln quote, talking about the Battle of Fredericksburg, sorry, history moment, uh, talking about the General Burnside said he snatched vic- defeat from the jaws of victory. And that seems to, do, to be what the Chargers do, to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. A team that, you know, is seven and six, probably very easily be 10-3. and three. Um, But the way the Titans have been playing, it's, it's, in, it's in L.A., uh, but the way the Titans have been playing, man, it's hard for me to pick them. I mean, last week we both picked them against the Jags, and they laid an egg. Um, could I see them going in there and winning? Absolutely. Could I see them going in there and losing by two touchdowns? Also absolutely. So, just based on what they've done the past few weeks, I'm going to take the Chargers. Moving down to the Cincinnati Bengals versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to pick the Bengals. I think they're slowly becoming the best team in the AFC, playing really well. Um, They continue to get healthy. I think they're going to be a tough tough out come the AFC Championship and may find a way to get back to the Super Bowl. Give me the Bengals. Yeah, I'm going to make uh, Scott West and my father-in-law and my dad happy and also pick Cincinnati. Uh, man, they're just – they're so good offensively. If they get some some guys back healthy, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, they got Mixon back uh, this past week and had a big game. Samaj P. Ryan, they're good defensively. Uh, that offensive line has improved from last year. The Buccaneers just can't score points. Like, they're allergic to scoring points. Um, and I – I don't see them keeping up with, with Cincinnati. Uh, give me the Bengals. And then our last two, we're just going to rapid fire these. Tennessee Vols versus the Arizona Wildcats on um, in basketball. Give me Tennessee. V-O-L-S, go Vols, go. And then the Rams-Packers Monday night football. I'm going to pick the Rams. I, the Packers have not played very well. Um, Baker Mayfield comes in at, with with a you know ten days of preparation of learning that offense. Give me the Rams. I'm going to take the Packers when it comes down to if you give me Aaron Rodgers or Baker Mayfield. What Baker Mayfield did last week was impressive, but going into Green Bay, going up against Aaron Rodgers, uh, give me the Packers. And that's it for our big boys corner picks for this week. Again, we'll keep you updated on social media on our record going through these picks uh, throughout the throughout the rest of NFL season, college basketball. Um, last part of today's show is just a little um, preview of what we've got, a new segment that we're going to have coming up starting probably next week. Um, Nick, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, we've got a new segment coming up called Around the Corner. Um, we are here in the Knoxville area where we've got a ton of really good basketball, baseball, football at the high school level. 
in our school period, um, we're at Eagleton College and Career Academy. We've got a state champ, two-time state championship winning football coach and Philip Shadow Owens coaching our football team. We've got Scott West, who has coached at Maryville for a long time, won state championship, been to the state tournament with the boys and girls. Travis Hart coaching our baseball team that's been the, the state tournaments in baseball, McMinn County, Sevier County, really good coach. And we've also got area schools around here that win state, state championships seemingly every year or in the semifinals every year at, at all levels in basketball, football, and baseball. So we're going to uh, hopefully next week uh, get a get a guy in here, Scott West. Hopefully we can get that worked out, our basketball coach here at Eagleton to come and talk. And, we, you know, we just want to pull in local, local guys to talk about uh, high school sports. We're both have been high school coaches for, for a decade plus, and we, we love all high school sports, football, basketball, baseball, track, tennis, soccer. And we've got some really good people just in our building and in, the, and in our county here in Blount County in Maryville, Alcoa. So definitely looking forward to uh, starting around the corner next week. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, I think it'll be a good segment for us, something that's kind of in our wheelhouse, but also for our listeners to get a little bit of that local flair. So, well, that's it for us today on the Sports Corner. Thanks for joining us. Remember, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and like and share our posts once we reach 500 listens, and we're getting close. We're, we're close. Give a, we're going to be giving away a $25 gift card of your choice. So make sure you share this out to your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think might be interested in it, and uh, be looking out for some, um, again, weekly se- weekly podcast and uh, specials when we get a little bit closer to some of the bigger events. So until next time. Y'all be good.